0: I want to invite you to take your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. Matthew 26. I am really excited about this new series that we begin today. And over the next several weeks, I've titled this series Breaking Point. And in this series, we're going to be spending the next several weeks exploring the stories of four characters from the scriptures who experienced what I can only describe as breaking point moments. Everybody say breaking point moments breaking point moments that left them struggling to navigate through seasons of failure, fatigue, uh, doubt, hurt. Every one of us have experienced times in our lives where we've gone through these, yes? Where things have been done, things have been said, action has been taken that has left us, or even we have made decisions and choices that left us feeling these very uh, difficult emotions. And the goal in exploring this series is really simply to help you and I to discover the value of releasing our struggles, our uncertainties, the pain we feel, the hurts we feel, the weariness we experience, releasing them to God so that we can find rest in Him and we can find refuge in Him rather than what is often the easier way out of just simply giving up. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm sure many of you can think back to a time when you went through a circumstance or situation where you were literally on, on the edge of just giving up. And sometimes, even in our walk with the Lord, we go through circumstances that may cause us to be to come almost come to the edge of of abandoning our faith in God and saying, "God, following you is not is not worth it." What's the point? When I, when I live for you, things are not working out, and yet I see people who are not living for you and things seem to be working out in their lives, and we begin to question, what is the point of following the Lord? Um, I, I have experienced a breaking point in my own life. I've experienced many, um, shared with some of you, um, but I don't think most of you have heard this story. So as many of you may not know, um, I am, in the course of working toward getting my Master's of Organizational Leadership from Evangelion University, and I'm on on track to graduate in May of, of next year, and I'm really excited for that. I, in fact, I have March 18th circled on my calendar. Every time a year passes, I'm thinking, oh, I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer. Um, but can I tell you this, as much as I'm looking forward to graduating, the, the start of my, we call it MOL journey, was anything but pleasant. In fact, I remember distinctly um, October 13. The early hours of October 13. The we, I like to say, ungodly hours <laughs> of October 13, 2022. I was in my closet. I had set up a makeshift closet in my makeshift uh, study study table in my in my closet, and I was I was I was I was studying. I was supposed to be studying, but I, I was in a, just a place of desperation um, because I found myself overwhelmed. Uh, so, of course, you know, juggling you know, responsibilities, taking care of my family, juggling with the responsibility of, of my role as a pastor, and then now adding a full-time school load. Uh, for the most part, I thought I was doing good until I began to kind of fall behind. I began to, you know, miss deadlines. And with each missed deadline, the pressure is mounting, right? Because these professors are not going to wait on you to turn in assignments when you feel like it, a deadline is a deadline. And so all of the pressure of these assignments weigh, is weighing heavy on me. In fact, that specific week, I had two papers, two major papers that were due. And can I tell you this? I had not started on either one of them. Now, before you jump on my back and say, PJ, why would you wait to the last minute to start your assignment? That's not what was going on here. So um, I was telling Jordan earlier, uh, before service, that I, I, I have something, there's something that I experience every time I have to write a paper. And it's called writer's block who who knows what that is so writer's block for those of you not familiar is usually when you kind of find yourself in a place where you feel like you're stuck in the creative process you 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 know you have something that you need to do but you're trying to figure out how do i start you're trying to figure out what do i even write about so for me the struggle was twofold um knowing what i was going to write about for both papers and knowing where to begin in fact i Eventually, I think I, 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 at that point I'd already started on my uh, on. I'd already decided what I was going to write about for both, but the issue was was finding an acceptable place to start. I would literally start something and then I would erase it because it wasn't acceptable. And then I would try to do something else and then I would erase that. And it's kind of the same as you know the image of the writer that's you know typing and he doesn't like what he types, so he takes it off, he throws it in the trash, and you see all these people of on the floor. That's what it was like for me figuratively. I mean, I was so frustrated because I could not figure out how to begin. And of course, the deadline is approaching, I'm getting stressed, I'm thinking, I cannot be able to get this done in the time that I have left. And so, in that moment, several things started to happen in my mind. Now, mind you, this is in the wee hours of the morning to my wife, my kids, everybody's sleeping, so they don't even know what's going on, right? And I'm sitting there, as I'm sitting there trying to figure out how to, what, what, what the next step would be, I remember a conversation that I had with a good friend of mine just a few years back when I expressed to him my desire to go back to school. And I remember the first question he asked me was, what for? And immediately, merely, me sitting in this position, just you know, struggling with the fact that I have all of this in front of me, I immediately remember that conversation. And now I'm asking myself, why am I doing this? And so now I'm trying to figure out a, a way, an excuse, to, to stop the program. But then as, as, I, as I begin to think about you know, what I can, you know, how I can you know, excuse or justify me stopping this program, I remember thinking to myself, my kids know I'm in school. What if they find out that I've suddenly quit and that they, I quit because it got difficult? What kind of example am I leaving for my kids? That when you go through difficulties or challenges, that the, that the best thing to do is just to, gi- is just to quit, just to give up. And so I started, I started to feel ashamed that I was even considering giving up. But then, at the same time, I was feeling, uh, I was feeling, uh, you know, a sense of uh, a sense of disappointment myself for not being able to start something that I finish something that I started. You know, I'm getting angry at myself that I even put myself in this position to begin with. I mean, all of these emotions were just weighing on me, and it was so overwhelming, friends, that I started to cry. You may think, "Oh, P.J. cries?" Yeah. Yes, I was so broken. I started to weep in my closet because I was like, "I can, I don't, I, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck." and and i remember in that moment i I truly believe that god wrapped his arms around me and gave me comfort and he affirmed me and he reminded me that i was not i was not in this alone and in fact he gave me um a step to take that i'd never considered and and you know of course you know i still talk about this for those of you that are not aware we've been elected at at the Fondrian Church has elected us to, to succeed Pastor Steve and, and his wife Donna next year when they retire. Um, and and what's, what's ironic is this, is the fact that, that the route that God had me take in response to that feeling of being stuck, actually, in hindsight, was his perfect timing. Because by the time that I will, that Eli and I will be taken over from Pastor Steve, I would have been done with school. My original track, I would have still been in school for another nine, ten months stepping into that role. And I remember the day I told Pastor Steve when he asked me, when he first initially said what, he, what his desire, when his desire was to retire. And then he asked me when I was gonna be done with school. I told him I'll be done with school two weeks before I succeed you. And Pastor Steve looked at me and said, look at God. And, and, and one of the things that I look back at that experience is the fact that in times of, of difficulty, struggle, when we feel like we're failures, It's important for us to recognize that that God says we are to cast our cares and burdens on Him. Why? Because He cares. Everybody say, God cares. cares. Everybody say, God cares. God God says we cast our cares and burdens on Him because He cares for us. Why? Because God understands that we're going to go through times and seasons and experiences where we find ourselves questioning our ability to move forward. We find ourselves at a breaking point moment in our lives and we are unsure of what to do. And the easiest thing would be to just simply give up. To just say, God, why am I in this situation to begin with? What's the point? Or God, what's the point of even trusting you to see me through this circumstance? I'm just going to keep doing what I feel I should do. We all go through times of distress where we feel ashamed, disappointed, sad, worried. We are embarrassed. We are angry. We're eager to find a way out of a situation we find ourselves in, whether it was a situation that came about because of a decision we made or because of circumstances beyond our control. But every one of us will go through times where we will meet ourselves at a, will find ourselves at a breaking point, where we feel stuck and we feel unable to move forward. In the scripture we're going to read this morning, we're going to see the story of a, of a man named Peter. Peter is one of Christ's disciples. In fact, I like to see him as the de facto spokesperson for the disciples. It seemed like Peter was one of those who was not afraid to speak his mind. And even when the scripture tells us that that there was an occasion where Jesus made a statement or made a comment that Peter didn't agree with, Peter was quick to rebuke Jesus. That's how outspoken Peter was. And in the scripture we're going to read, we're going to see an account where the apostle Peter experiences what we would call a breaking point moment in his own life. And and we're going to look today specifically at, at what happens when we experience failure. A, a, a place or a point where we, where we feel like we've fallen short, whether of our expectations or the expectations of others or even the expectations that God has set for us. Now, before I read that scripture this morning, I want to set for you the, the, the scene. I want to set the scene up for you. So, earlier in the day, Matthew chapter 6, when it describes the events that, that led up to Christ's um, um, betrayal in the garden, his arrest and betrayal. But earlier in that day, Scripture says that Christ broke bread with the disciples. He did this often, but this was significant because this is the first opportunity that we see Christ do what we refer to as the Lord's Supper. Um, it's, it's the template for when, whenever once a month we come together and as part of our service time together, we partake of the elements, the bread and the wine to remember what Christ did on our behalf 2,000 years ago. Before He gave Himself upon the cross, Jesus broke bread, the Bible says, with His disciples. And in the course of this meal, he tells the disciples to their shock and their dismay that they were going to abandon him. Now, of course, he wasn't just simply saying it for the sake of it. It had been prophesied in the Old Testament that he would be deserted by those who loved him. And Jesus made it clear to the disciples that they were going to desert him. And when, they, when he did, of course, you have to imagine they were all shocked or all wondering, what is he talking about? What is, what, what, what is he referring to? When is this going to happen? And the scripture tells us that Peter, again, not being one to pass up an opportunity to declare his loyalty, quickly replied to Jesus that he would not, under any circumstances, betray Christ. To which the Bible tells us that not only did Jesus affirm this specific idea that they would abandon him, but Jesus goes on to tell Peter exactly how he was going to deny him. And even then, the Bible says Peter still insisted, and not just him, but the rest of the disciples insisted that there was no way that they were ever gonna be able to betray Jesus. But then hours later, all of them would eat their words when Judas, again, one of the 12, led a crowd, you know, wielding swords and clubs, and they came to the garden where Christ was praying, and they came and they arrested Jesus. And the scripture says, at the end of it, what happened? The disciples scattered. But that wasn't the breaking point moment for Peter. Later, in the scripture, we're going to read this morning, verse 69 to verse thirty-five. we see what the Bible describes as happening with Peter. So if you have your Bibles again, turn with me to Matthew 26. We're going to read from verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a slave woman came to him and said, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. Now mind you, this is while a trial was taking place. Jesus was brought before the religious leaders, and they're interrogating him, they're questioning him. They're essentially setting him up to be... Um, executed and so the scripture says that while that's happening within the the temple chambers Jesus yeah, Peter is outside sitting in the courtyard I guess he's waiting to see what's going to happen trying to get some news as to where where things are with what's going on with Christ and as he does so a slave woman says to him you were with the Galilean named Jesus in verse 70 says but he denied it before them all remember just hours before he was telling Jesus even if the other disciples deny you I would never deny you and yet, exactly as Jesus prophesied he would do, we see Peter denying Jesus, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. When he had gone out to the gateway, another slave woman saw him, and she said Don't, and She said to those who were, with, who were there, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. I do not know what you're talking about to, I do not know the man you are talking about. And then in verse 73, a little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, you really are one of them as well, since even the way you talk gives you away. Then he began to curse and to swear. I do not know. The man. Again, this is the same man that just hours before had vehemently, vehemently insisted to Jesus that under no circumstance would he deny the Lord, even if everyone else did. And in this instance, we see him not once, not twice, but three times. And the scripture says he began to swear and to curse. I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the statement that Jesus had made, that before a rooster crows, you would deny me three times. And the scripture says, Peter went out and he wept bitterly. This was Peter's breaking point moment. Because for all of his talk about being loyal to Jesus, about doing whatever was needed to stand by Jesus, even if nobody else would do so, Peter, the Bible says, found himself at a place and a point in his life where he for, for lack of a better word, saw himself as a complete failure. How many times you and I in our own lives we've experienced seasons or experiences or situations where, where you know, we, we had expectations about our ability to handle the situation and at the end of it we, we look back and when we look in the mirror we're not happy with the person we see on the other side of the mirror. We see ourselves as a failure. We see ourselves as having fallen short of our expectations, of other expectations. We see ourselves as a disappointment Disappointment. We see ourselves as unworthy. We see ourselves as 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 as, as, a, as a cast off, a throwaway. That that nothing good can ever come out of us. Why? Because we have failed. And, and it is no different from what from what Peter experienced. But but here's the thing: when, when you explore Jesus's conversation with Peter, and not just in this instance, but really throughout you know, Peter's walk with Jesus prior to this moment. I believe that there are some things that Christ saw in Peter, that Christ saw in the disciples, that was not so obvious to them. And I want to point those three things out to you. Three things that Peter's denial finally exposed, not just for him, but also for us. And when we go through failure ourselves, sometimes these three things are brought to the fore. Number one, we discovered that Peter's denial exposed his short-sighted perspective about Christ. Every time Jesus said something and Peter would respond in a, almost, almost to the point of rebuking or correcting Jesus, it showed he did not understand who Christ was. It showed that he was leaning on his own perspective about who Jesus is rather than leaning on what has been declared about the Lord himself. Peter's denial exposed his short-sighted view about who Jesus was. Peter's denial also exposed an unhealthy desire for, to prove his work to Jesus. Peter was always about trying to prove himself to be loyal to Christ. At every turn, he wanted Jesus to know, I've got you. I I am for you. You never have to worry about me. You never have to question my loyalty. You never have to question my worth. You never have to question the, the fact that I will stand by you through thick and thin. Peter always wanted to prove to Jesus that he was worthy to be his follower. And then finally, Peter's denial exposed a great weakness in Peter, his reliance on self. Peter clearly was a confident man. He was a man who was not afraid to to take charge he was not a man who was ashamed of uh, or unwilling to uh, to be confrontational when it was needed as as we as we know in the scriptures the bible tells us that in the garden when when the crowd came to arrest jesus peter was quick to pull out his sword and to strike one of the servants of the high priest's ear and to cut it off so peter was not a man who was afraid to step up if he felt the need to step up but the problem was peter was doing it in his own strength Peter was doing it in his own power. Peter was doing it based on his own ability. And his denial of Christ revealed his great weakness, which was his reliance on self. When you look at what Peter experienced, it's really no different from what we go through ourselves. So that when we then find ourselves facing a, a, a period of, of, of questioning our our, our 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 you know our, our ability to, to, be, to be true to God, to be true to the expectation that God has for us. Failure does three things for us, and he, th- these are what they are. Number one, failure serves to remind you and I of our continual need for growth. Every time I fail, it just means that there's room for improvement. Is it uh, the great inventor Benjamin Franklin that he said that, that, that when he invented the light bulb, that, it, that, that he went through several, several um, um, instances of failing, right? Where he tried over and over and over before he finally got it right. Imagine if he had said to himself, I tried it once and it failed, and eh? it's not an idea worth pursuing. Or after the 20th time he failed and he decided, I've been doing this for 19 times already and it's still not working, maybe this is not worth pursuing. He kept going, he kept going, he kept going, until he found a formula that, produces, that produced what we know as the modern day bulb. Or, or even maybe a more, a more, a more uh, contemporary story, the story of the, of, the, of the gentleman that started KFC. From what I heard, that recipe, the recipe of, of KFC, that, that made KFC such a, a household name was rejected by so many restaurants. So many restaurants that connoisseurs would go to to offer this recipe as, 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 a, as a product to be served in, in restaurants and he kept getting rejected over and over and over again. Imagine if he said that nobody sees the worth in this, in this recipe so it's not worth pursuing. The reality is, is that when we experience failure what it's meant to do is to show, for, uh, show us that there's room for growth that there is room for improvement, that we've not arrived, that we are a work in progress. So even in our walk with the Lord, failure again is not meant to be excused or justified, but failure is meant to serve as a reminder that there is room for growth in our lives. But not only that, failure reminds us that our worth is not based on what we can or cannot do. It's important for us to see failure as an event and not failure as part of our identity. And too often we give up, we give in. Why? Because we see failure as part of who we are. I can't succeed, I will never be able to succeed, whether it's what we're saying to ourselves or what other people are saying to us. Again, failure is meant to remind us that our worth is not based on what we can or cannot do. And here's the last thing, failure reminds us that we are inadequate on our own. Because here's the bottom line, if we could do it, friends, if we didn't need, uh, if, 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 if we had it within ourselves to succeed every single time we try, then we would never experience failure but what failure does is reminds us that we are inadequate in, our, in and of ourselves that every time i struggle or i stumble i fall that that it means that i don't have what it takes in a, in, in myself to succeed or to or to experience that breakthrough I, I don't have to rely on self so in 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 considering these these three reminders uh, of, of, of that, that come to our our minds when we experience failure this is the point I want to make this morning as we, as we begin this series, talking about our breaking point and how we deal with those breaking point moments in our lives. The Bible makes it clear to you and I that God has made His grace available to us. So that when we turn to Him and we, we embrace the grace He makes available to us, when we embrace the help He provides for us, that we find the strength we need to continue to pursue Him, to follow Him. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Being a Christian is not about you proving to God that you deserve that, that moniker or that, uh, that, that, that title or nickname, Christian. Being a Christian is about demonstrating your dependence on Him, your, your reliance on Him. I cannot do this without you. I cannot live for you outside of your help, outside of your guidance and direction. The grace of God helps us to find the courage to follow Jesus in spite of our shortcomings. Imagine if God said to you and I that, that the one time we fail, that we are completely disqualified forever nobody would have a chance. Why? Because every one of us have experienced failure at some point in our lives. Have we not? Have we not? And so if, if it was based on performance, then none of us has hope. But aren't you grateful at this point that this is the essence of the gospel, that in spite of our brokenness, in spite of the fact that we are flawed, in spite of the fact that we, we don't always get it right, in spite of our shortcomings, that our Heavenly Father says to us, I will extend grace to you. So that I will give you what you need to do what I want you to do, to be the person I want you to become, to do the things that I want you to do. So quickly this morning, there are three things that the grace of God does that I want to quickly share with you to encourage us to look to God rather than, again, either give up or give in to the pressures that cause us to fail. First thing about the grace of God is this, that the grace of God affirms our worth in his eyes and our usefulness in his hands. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, the Apostle Paul, it's not on the screen, but the Apostle Paul re- describes you and I as, he uses this phrase, jars of clay. Everybody say it with me, jars of, jars of clay. When you look at a jar of clay, one of the things that's most important about that jar of clay, beautiful as it is, friends, is this, it is fragile. It is fragile. You can't take a jar of clay and just toss it across the room. It's going to break, right? So, there's, but, 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 Paul says that in the same way that a a jar of clay is fragile, right? It's frail. There's a potential for it to be broken. In the same way, you and I are fragile. We are frail. In in this flesh, we don't have the... It it is not our propensity to want to do things that are pleasing to God or that God desires for us. And yet, in in spite of our broken human nature, the scripture says that God chooses to 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 put his spirit in us and to live in us and to live through us and to accomplish his work through us Paul talks about in verse 7 that God has deposited a treasure in us jars of clay what is this treasure this treasure is the gospel this this treasure is the gospel by way of not only not only the gospel we've heard but the gospel we've, we've experienced ourselves this gospel that has changed our lives so that so that God now takes us as these fragile jars of clay and he uses these fragile jars of clay to hold this treasure called the gospel and what it means is this that God in spite of our flaws in spite of our shortcomings our many flaws and shortcomings that God says I want to use you I want to work in you I want to work through you God says our worth in his eyes is not based on what we do or what we do not do our worth in his eyes is based on what he has done to demonstrate that worth and how so the Scripture tells us that you and I are broken by our sin and that we are condemned to judgment because of our sin, but that God demonstrates our worth and value, how? By his decision to send his son, Jesus, to take our place on the cross and extend the gift of eternal life to those who otherwise deserved eternal separation. That's every one of us. The Bible says that you and I, because of our sin, we deserve to be condemned. But God extends grace to us so that we, rather than be condemned, we find mercy. We find grace, we find embrace, we find his acceptance. But God didn't stop there, friends. God not only demonstrates our worth because of the sacrifice of his, of his son, but God demonstrates our usefulness by displaying the life-changing power of the gospel in your life and in my life. So that when other people see you, they don't see perfection, but what they see is a person whose life is being changed because that person knows Jesus. When Peter was in that courtyard, and the person said to him the last the last accusation. We know we know you're one of them because of the way you talk, the way you behave. What they were saying is, we see the evidence of you being with Jesus all over you. It is obvious. So it is this idea, friends, that we are called to be by God to be to be vessels through which He makes His message. You no, know, we talked about this last week. The scripture talks about the God giving you and I the ministry of reconciliation. But it's a ministry that, 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 that we, he doesn't simply assign to us. It's a ministry that comes by way of our experience. This is why Paul could say in Romans that I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to save. Why Paul was speaking from experience. And in the same way, we must learn to see that it is the grace of God that affirms our worth in his eyes and our usefulness in his hands. No matter what our past may look like, friends, your worth is based on who God says you are and what God has done to demonstrate that. Number two... The grace of God not only affirms our worth in His eyes and our usefulness in His hands, but the grace of God helps us realize the depth of our inadequacy without Him. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul taught that humanity's inadequacy outside of God's intervention is best displayed in our helplessness to resolve our sinful condition. The essence of the gospel, again, is this, that you and I are sinners, and our sin condemns us, to eternal separation from God. But God loves you and I so much that he did something about what you and I could not do by ourselves. And that by sending his son Jesus to take our place on the cross and by saving us through the finished work of Christ on the cross, God has made it so that no one can take credit for what only he could have done. That, that walking with Christ is about acknowledging every single day, but for the grace of God, there go I. But for the grace of God, but for the mercy of God, but for the intervention of God in my life, my story will be completely different. I would be a totally different person. When the scripture says, Second Corinthians five seventeen, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ they are a new creation. It is, it is a powerful truth that we must embrace and we must celebrate every single day that because we are in Christ, we are not the same. Because we are in Christ, we are called to be different. But we are different not in our own strength or power. But we are different because of what he has done. Where we are inadequate, God is completely sufficient for us. Would you say amen? Where we are inadequate, God is fully sufficient for us. But it is in times of failure that the grace of God reminds us that we must learn to look to him and not to ourselves. And here's the last point. The grace of God invites us to depend on the strength that he gives instead of our own. Second Corinthians 12, verse 9, Paul describes what he referred to for himself as a thorn in his side. And he says that several times he asked the Lord, take this from me. We don't know what it was. Paul didn't tell us what it was. Historians argue it could be a ailment, a physical ailment. Others argue maybe... Um, you know, uh, a struggle, a personal struggle in his life. We we don't know what it is, and there is no point speculating. But what is important to note from this exchange is this: that Paul, even though he kept pleading for God to take this thorn that he describes out of his side, God's response wasn't to say, "Yes, Paul, I will take it out." But Paul, God's response to Paul was, "No, depend on me. Don't simply expect me to take that thorn out of your side." rely on the grace I extend to you because my grace is enough. The grace of God gives us strength to do what we can never do on our own. The grace of God gives us the wisdom to do what we cannot do on our own. The grace of God directs us to take steps that we could never take on our own. The invitation to every one of us this morning is this, that when we experience times of failure, struggle in our lives, whereas the, the, the easiest thing might be to just give up, the easiest thing might be to just throw in the towel and say, God, what's the point? God, I am useless to you. God, there's nothing I can bring to you. There's nothing I can offer to you. I am worthless. That we instead look to God and say, God, everything that I am not in you, I believe I can be. Because I lean on you. I trust in you. I depend on you. The Bible is inviting us to rely on God's strength or grace, excuse me, to sustain us and to help us to overcome the limitations of our past. Here's the bottom line. If every one of us look at the things we've said or done in our past, we would disqualify ourselves from following the Lord. We would, we would consider ourselves unusable by God. That, that we can easily say, and rightfully so, God, you can't use me. But it is the grace of God. It is the grace of God that says to us, no, your worth Your value is not based on what you can or cannot do. Your ability to live up to my standard, my calling, is not based on your strength or your own power or wisdom. It is is based on me, and you must learn to rely on me. When Peter experienced what he experienced, I am so grateful that his story did not end at... At that garden, that in that culture, that night, that the last thing we heard about Peter was was him denying Jesus. I'm so grateful that that's not the last we heard from him, because in fact, after Jesus rose from the dead, Scripture tells us that Jesus sought Peter out, not to not to suggest that his shortcomings were not bad. It was not a big deal, Peter. Don't 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 be too hard on yourself. No, I believe that Jesus acknowledged what Peter had done, but what Jesus saw was the heart of a man who was truly broken, who recognized. I failed my Lord. But Peter's desire was to, was to honor the Lord. And I do believe that, that, that in that experience, Peter realized, I can't keep going on this way. I can't keep relying on my own strength. I can't keep relying on my own ability. I can't keep you know, seeking to, to, to find worth in what I can do for the Lord. I just need to rest in the grace he extends to me. And I am so grateful that the same grace that Christ extended to Peter so that he could say to Peter, Peter, it is upon you, this rock that I will build my church, that, that, that he's able to say to you and I as well, that no matter what we've done in our past, no matter what our story may be, no matter what our history may be, no matter what we may in our own minds, or even the world may say it disqualifies us from being useful to God, that we discover that it is the grace of God that makes us valuable to God and that we embrace that. I don't know what, what, what your journey may be today. Every one of us are going through something at any different point in time. And sometimes the enemy seeks to take advantage of our vulnerability to say to us, God doesn't love you. You've disappointed him. God God cannot possibly use you because you keep stumbling over and over and over again. Realize this morning, friends, that the God of the Bible is a God of grace. Again, not to overlook sin, not to justify sin, but he says... Let me do something about that sin. Let me do something about that struggle, that area of failure in your life. Lean on me, trust me, depend on me. Don't do it by yourself. Rely on me and I will help you to do what you could never do on your own. I celebrate the grace of God every time in my life, friends. And I believe it is worth celebrating every single day. There's a story I came across about a six year old who decided one morning he was gonna make pancakes for his parents went into the kitchen and he began to cook, following the template of what he saw his mother, his father do in the past. And the more he worked, the more of a mess he was making. So that by the time his father walked into the kitchen to check on him, the, the kitchen was, was upside down. This young man was covered in flour. His clothes are all sticky and muddy, and it's sticky and caked out because, of the, because of, the, of, the, of, of the eggs that he tried to beat and they were splashing everywhere. At some point, the cat, while he was doing this, walked in and was contributing to the mess that was being made, and this young man, when he noticed his dad standing by the door, he looks at his dad and he, he says to him, Dad, I wanted to make you happy. And he just started to cry uncontrollably because he felt like a complete failure. And in that instance, rather than condemn him, rather than, than say, yes, you're right, you are a failure. Yes, you're right, nothing nothing good can ever, ever come out of you. What did his dad do but to walk over to his son and to embrace his son and say, it is okay. It is okay. I love you. I love you. I love you. And to remind that son that his worth was not based on what he did or did not do. But it was based on the response that the father gave to help him understand that he is valued in the eyes of the father. And God wants you to know, friends, no matter what you've done, that he loves you. Now, again, he doesn't justify or excuse sin. He wants us to deal with it. If there's sin in your life and my life, God wants us to deal with it. And how do we deal with it? Not by we ourselves saying, well, I'm going to take charge. I'm going to, I'm going to do better. No, God says surrender. Surrender. Acknowledge you cannot do it by yourself and yield to him and allow him to do what you cannot do. I want to invite everyone to buy your hands with me this morning as we pray. And it's important that we conclude this morning's service with a very simple reminder, friends, that failure is never final. Failure is never final. We can come to our Heavenly Father and we know, we can be confident that when we are honest and we are transparent and we are willing to be vulnerable with Him and to acknowledge our shortcomings and to own them. But not just own them, but but cry out to God and say, God, I surrender. I'm not going to do this on my own. I'm not going to do this by myself. I cannot, I cannot do this the way I think I should. God, I totally want to yield myself to you that we can be confident that God will step in and he will embrace. And his grace will remain available to us. And that grace that he extends to us will be sufficient for us. As, as I was praying about this message this morning, my, my, the thought that, was hit, that hit me was, God, perhaps there's someone here today who is going through a season right now where they just feel like a failure they feel like there's nothing they can ever do that, that would ever please you or ever amount to God my prayer has been God help that person to know that God failure is not final you can call on him today even now no matter what the past may look like you can call him today and know that God will embrace you, he will accept you and his desire is to transform you but you have to choose that have to choose him. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for the opportunity that your word demonstrates to us today about the importance, the value of yielding ourselves fully and totally to you. Not leaning on our own understanding, not leaning on our own strength or power or wisdom, but leaning fully and totally on you. And being confident that when we do so, God, that you will meet us in our place and point of need. God, we all experience times where we are broken, where we are we, 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 we feel stuck, unable to move forward. We feel worthless, we feel like we have no value, we are we feel like we have no use. And, and it's not for lack of trying, God. We, we try, we try, we try, but we keep stumbling, we keep struggling. And, and, and it is the enemy that wants us to feel like there is no hope for us, Lord. But God, I'm grateful for your word reminding us today that there is always hope. That when we turn to you, Father, there is hope. And so God, I pray for everyone that is here. No matter what they may be going through right now, no matter what they may be going through right now, may they find in you hope. May they call on your name. May they lean in on you, God. May they press into you, God. May they may they, may they, may they cast off reliance on self. Father, But, but Lord, may they embrace with re- complete reliance on you and be confident today that, God, your grace will be sufficient for them. Father, for anyone that is here that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and they acknowledge, Lord, that, that Lord, it is their sin that separates them from you, but they recognize that, Lord, following you is not about, again, trying to, to live a good life or trying to simply make good decisions, but they recognize that following you is, is about surrendering our lives to you and allowing to be the Lord of our lives. That for that person, whoever that may be today, that in this moment, God, you will meet them in their place in point of need. That when they call on you, God, that they'll be confident that you hear them and you will respond. God, I thank you this morning for reminding us, Lord, that even when we are helpless, Father, we are never hopeless. When we are helpless, God, we are never hopeless. That as it was for Peter, God, so let it be the same for us, Lord. That in spite of our shortcomings, in spite of our many flaws, flaws that you are working on and you're helping us, Lord, to overcome, that God, more than anything, we are learning to walk in the grace that you've made available to us, Lord. And that, God, it is that grace that enables us to do and to be who you've called us to be. So, Father, thank you this morning for what you are already doing in the hearts of your children today, and thank you, God, for helping us, Lord, to be overcomers through our Savior Jesus Christ. But so we ask these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said.